Welcome to Catholic Messenger Conversations, our monthly podcast with Bishop Thomas Sincula. I am Barbara Arlen Fye, your host. Today, Kent Ferris of the Davenport Diocese Social Action Office joins us for conversation about Pope Francis's Laudato Si Action Platform. Right, Kent? Right. This new seven-year initiative calls us for a spiritual and cultural revolution as we strive for sustainability in the spirit of integral ecology. So... Bishop and Kent, what led Pope Francis and his collaborators to initiate the Laudato Sea Action Platform? <laughs> we would have to ask Pope Francis. He's I not here. <laughs> now, from what he's written, um, I mean, he, 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 it's, he's, he's picking up on Laudato Sea, obviously, and, and wanting to run with it. So why did he put out Laudato Sea? And he talks about um, uh, the world growing hotter, less stable, and more lifeless and and so um, we're all suffering especially the poorest and most vulnerable um, are suffering the most and and there's this complex crisis that is both social and, and environmental I mean that's kind of at the heart of it it seems to me any additional thoughts Ken oh very much so I mean the the encyclical itself was launched in in May of 2015 and at that time it was an urgent call uh, for the environmental challenges that we faced. Those challenges are as pressing now as they were then, and in, in many respects, even more of a challenge now. So that's why the, uh, the encyclical is not sat on a bookshelf. This is something that has been re-energized and, and brought into play in order for us to have a plan to move forward in caring for creation. And just, you know, one more thing, as the bishop here, he... Um he kind of, he, he, there's three things that are intertwined in the, in the encyclical. He, he talks about the, the three um, fundamental um, and closely intertwined relationships with God, and with our neighbor, and with the earth itself. So it's not just about the earth. It's, he talks a lot about the people who are most affected by, by climate change, which is right. the people on the margins. So that's a, a big, huge thing. And then obviously God's a part of this whole um, discussion. Exactly. You think about what's going on in Haiti right now with the people suffering after the earthquake and with all uh, the upheaval in their government. And I mean, I think that's a, a prime example of that. What is the significance of the seven years as a time frame for the action platform? By way of the, um, the dicastery, the, Vata the Vatican dicastery, Father Jostrom Karithadam has indicated that uh, the need for seven years, uh, the first year is uh, a matter of drawing up concrete action plans. And if they're going to be significant, it's going to take five years for the, that action plan to be worked on. And then uh, the final year is dedicated to praise and thank, thanking God. So that's why the, you have the seven-year time frame, and you see seven repeated over and again uh, in the, the plan's details. Right. Any other thoughts for you, Bishop, on that? Well, yeah, so I mean, there's also seven goals. Maybe that's um, part of it, you know, kind of, there's seven sacraments, there's, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a holy number. That's right. I appreciate that. 
So how does our diocese plan to rev up excitement in each of the seven targeted sectors, the families, parishes, dioceses, educational institutions, healthcare institutions, the economic sector, organizations and groups and religious to get involved in this platform? It's a work in progress. We don't have it all figured out yet. I mean, every, um, certain the Vatican is still putting things out, you know, and so it's it's seven years. So you know, it's um, we've already been. We'll talk about in these if we get into these seven areas. We've already already been doing some things with this, but um, I don't know. Kent is he's he's has kind of some ideas on 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 planning for the. Bishop referenced that the Vatican is continuing to give us information, and indeed that's the case. The actual, uh, the, the, the best launch or the hard launch of this uh, seven-year plan is actually scheduled for October 4th, which is the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi. But what we know already is that part of this first year will be an opportunity for us to acknowledge the work and efforts that have already been t undertaken over these past years and in some remarkable ways that we've already seen care for creation play out and be mindful of energy sustainability in the diocese already. And so in addition to looking at what we may establish as goals to work on in the future, we too have the opportunity to give thanks and praise God for, for the type of effort that's already been undertaken. And that's, that I think will help inspire others to say what is possible based on what we've already done. I like the give thanks and praise God. That's the easy part in my opinion. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. So I'm wondering, let's talk about Laudato Say action plan goals one by one. First one, response to the cry of the earth. What are some ideas, activities, or liturgical events that would be doable in our diocese? And how do you see these things meshing with what we're already doing? Well, um, one thing we've already done is in some places, um, can't can maybe speak to the specifics, but solar panels. There's, um, I know, uh, St. Anne Long Grove. There's a school. Which school is Notre Dame in, in Burlington? Notre Dame in Burlington, and some other place too, maybe. I mean, the sisters over here. The sisters here, in St. Francis sisters. have them too. And the Humility Sisters, they have, they have some on their on their roof. So that's we're doing that. We can do more of that right. kind of a thing. Um, you know, uh, planting uh, native trees and native gardens, and um, removing invasive species. Those kinds of things protecting pollinators there's people doing that the sister humility sisters are all over that for you know like um doing that kind of a thing and other others are doing that um more efficient appliances and stoves and th this and that um conservation efforts for farmers in the fields that's all all part of that so those are some some examples I think the sisters have the bees up at the Our Lady of the Prairie Retreat, right? Isn't oh, that where they're, yeah. mm -hmm. they're, they're busy as bees up there? And I think they have solar panels there, too. Maybe, I think. I think Ambrose is doing something with bees and things as well. They, right. they, they've been acknowledged as a, uh, a, a, a place hospitable to bees. And, so, and having be, been recognized by, by those efforts as well. Not you know, so it fits with their um, mascot. That's <laughs> right. I think the other the other thing I would say, Barb, as as it relates to the cry of the earth, the beauty of being part of a global church is that we are aware of 
the impact um, all around the world. Um, the, the bishops are, are present in so many, the bishops conference by way of Catholic relief services, for example, is present in over a hundred countries. And so when we talk about the cry of the earth, it is because we are present in so many locations around the earth and we hear from um, the, the people who live there, uh, whether it be Madagascar, and, and they've not had rain. Their farmers haven't had rain in two years. Oh, my gosh. So when we hear that particular, uh, the cry of the earth and the cry of the people, we have the means of hearing it almost in real time because of the ways that we're so connected and the ways that we uh, minister and serve to the poor all around the world. Well, and that goes right into our next item, response to the cry of the poor. What are we doing now that works? What are ways we could build on those efforts to respond to the cry of the poor in our diocese and beyond? So, in terms of something that's happening right now, um, there are the cry of the poor refugees and and uh, and um, migrant immigrants, and um, there's like the Iowa City Catholic workers all over that, you know. Right, so they're yeah. they're they're leading the effort and showing a good example for all of us. There's the Afghans coming to the United States and. We're not at the forefront of that because we don't have a refugee resettlement program here, but we can hopefully tap into that um, depending on how that how that plays itself out. So there's there's one thing anyway. I think anytime you're talking about the cry of the poor and, and people will see here within the next few weeks reference to a special collection that will go, uh, it, it was uh, at, the, at the request of the U.S. bishops and we're being mindful both of, of Afghan refugees who are, are resettling in the United States. Uh, we're mindful of uh, the earthquake victims in Haiti, as well as uh, victims of Hurricane Ida and any subsequent hurricanes. So what the bishops are saying to us is, this is a special voluntary collection that you'll learn more about later this month. Um, in order to address those immediate cries of the poor, who find themselves displaced because of war or earthquake or, or um, hurricanes and floods. And um, that, is our, that is one of the ways that we respond. We, we respond with uh, financial contributions. And that's not to exclude the incredible importance of prayer. And, and you know, reading The Messenger, and, and hearing stories about uh, areas that have been adversely affected and, and always and, and taking them with you as you, as you uh, worship and, uh, and celebrate with the, with the sacraments, always keeping in mind uh, the world's poor in our prayers and in our actions as, as how we live. Well, and even locally, I mean, if we think about it, even within our diocese, you know, there are people who are struggling to make ends meet, especially in the in the wake of COVID. And not everybody got to go back to work. And I'm just wondering, we know, for instance, you know, people who are facing evictions, um, all that sort of thing. We're, we're already doing some things there, aren't we? Yeah, very much so. And I mean, it's you, you really can't uh, do one thing in isolation. If anything, uh, care for our common home, the, the emphasis could also be on common home in that we, um, we, we share 
um, the joys of life, and we also share the, the great sorrows of life, particularly with brothers and sisters who are uh, incredibly, who find themselves in incredibly difficult situations. The next one is ecological education. Would this involve classes or field trips or seminars? I'm, what would lead to ecological education um, th that would be a good effort? Education? Or, or, or um, oh, education. Okay, I, was, I thought you were talking about ecological economics. No, you have uh, education, education first. Education first, okay. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think, I mean, it's fostering Laudato Sea themes within the community. Um, and again, this is all at the beginning. Of, uh, and we kind of figure this out as we, as we go along in developing a plan, but encouraging ecological leadership, um, students, teachers, getting this in, in the schools, ecological restoration activities. Um, and that's very general. That right. Those are the areas that we can be and working on. We could be promoting those in the Catholic Messenger too, right, Kent? Yeah. I mean, the other thing to say is that, that there are folks on campuses like St. Ambrose University, and for that matter, other colleges in the diocese, that are combining environmental studies with business and other disciplines, and those students are learning. And what we want is for that same type of of, of knowledge and understanding to be able to share it with Catholics across our 22 counties. And likewise, it, it need not be focused exclusively on college campuses. High schools and, and um, elementaries and middle schools have it within their means to um, praise God through uh, the created world. And, and those lessons can also be brought home and, and shared with the rest of the family and as a means of slowing down and indeed giving praise to God while also caring for our home. Also, um, parishes, so that they can, there can be information about this in bulletins and on social media, um, you know, highlighting things in this area, teaching folks, and there's all kinds. Of, when, you, when you think about it, um, there are lots of different possibilities come to mind. I would love to see like some field trips or just even within a parish or you know, maybe even a diocesan-led, you know, I mean, just some kind of maybe regional or deanery kinds of... Um. Well, the, the beauty of our particular 22 counties is you don't have to travel far to see some incredible, distinct uh, nature preserves. Nahant Marsh in the, the Davenport Deanery or um, Red Rock Lake out on the western edge of, of the diocese. The Mississippi River, which is the border for part of our diocese, there are a lot of, of incredible natural resources around that allow us to have these types of field trips and to, to appreciate our distinct part of the world. Very good. The next, I guess, sector would be, or next goal would be ecological economics. And so I'm wondering, how should we interpret ecological economics? What ideas come to mind for practical application in our diocese? Ethical investments, mm. right? Um, divestment from fossil fuels. So Kent has already kind of, kind of put that out there to the to, to the diocese, to the you know, the larger entity here, the local church, and and so we have a you know a, a foundation um, in, in the diocese that has a lot of money that's invested, and it's actually uh, it's invested through. Um, Christian Brothers Investment Services, 
right? So it's so socially responsible investments. And so since Kent brought this to our attention, we've kind of looked at, to, okay, what are they investing it in? Obviously, there's certain things that we would stay away from, but what about fossil fuels? Um, right. And there is money in that, and that, that they have in that. And so it, it just Kent prompting us to look into this, um, I mean, we could just do away with that those investments totally, but we we're in touch with um, Christian Brothers, and you know, where are you at with this? It's you know, right. it's Catholic, you know, and so they are looking into it. Where they're at with it is they're thinking, and we can talk more about this, you know, with um, with Kent and, and his department. But they're thinking uh, um, they're working on the inside, and and they're um, challenging those different companies. To, to, to be moving in a new direction. And so um, they're on top of that and, and working with that. It's like, you know, shareholders, things that you do from the inside versus just getting out of it totally. So I'm not sure if that's the way to continue to go with this, you know, if, if, um, if, if that's, you know, if that's how um, that fits with how we view this or, or we could go in a different direction, but we are looking at that. Um, since it's this because of the Dato C and 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 you know these seven different goals, so we'll see where that goes. The other thing to add to the divestment is this is actually a challenge that the dicastery at the Vatican has challenged dioceses to be aware of. To this point, there's been 250 institutions that have signed on in support of divestment of fossil fuels, and the request is that the divestment occur over a period of five years. Christian Brothers does an outstanding job of being socially responsible and consistent with church teaching. So I have confidence that Christian Brothers will provide some great insight as to what's possible, and then that will uh, affect uh, decisions that are made at the diocesan level. So it's probably not really practical to just say, oh, Christian Brothers, let's get out of um, fossil fuel right now. I mean, you can't, it's not that easy, right? Well, the Vatican is saying, will you commit to divestment over a period of five years? So they're taking into account that when you're talking about investments, it's not a, it's not an immediate switch and that it requires some thoughtful financial planning. And I think that that's what they're helping, hoping that will happen. Yeah, I mean, Pope Francis talks about encounter and, and, and dialogue. And so um, we've encountered Christian brothers and, you know, okay, what's going on with this? And we're, di- we're dialoguing with them right now. Right. You know, see, judge, act. We're not at the act stage at this point. Very good. Another goal is adoption of a sustainable lifestyle. So what are some tips from your own lives for those of us who want to do a better job of adopting a sustainable lifestyle? <laughs> One of the things, I mean, looking at um, um, con- consumption, how how we are as consumers. So much of the so much of the economy is based on consumption, and um, the lesson that I've learned uh, in in formal studies over these past few years from some incredibly knowledgeable. Uh, Moral theologians is we need to be mindful of our consumption patterns, and and consuming less, and right. and and doing with less. And so I'm looking at the trips that I take by car, uh, trying to combine them. Um, also looking at things that are essential and non-essential, in order to to 
think about things on the home front and, and where there might be some ways of, of living it differently. As a Franciscan, as a secular Franciscan, I'm supposed to be living a simple, joyful, humble life. And so this is a, uh, this is a refresher course for me because you can very easily slide into a pattern where it's not so simple and you begin to consume too much. So it's, it's all about just keeping it simple and consuming less. Kent, I think I see you doing that, but anyway. Bishop. Yeah, so, I mean, recycling, I, I'm really big on that. I um, separate out my, my things and papers and other things, and um, that's the easy thing to do, I think. I, I don't know, I, I notice here, maybe I should challenge the, the, um, the staff here, uh, how we, when we print things off, you know, I'm always printing on both sides if possible, or, or do I have a stack of one, you know, paper that it was uh, um, type um, print on one side, and I'm if it's not something I'm going to keep, just printing on the other side. I, I kills me to throw away a sheet of paper that has one side that's still white. You know, so that's real simple. Um, when I was in seminary, those guys, the rector, these those guys were uh, seminarians were. Um, composting and all this stuff big time and it was really really great you know that kind of thing but I agree with, with Kent um, uh, the simple lifestyle I remember when I was in a parish once uh, years ago it was during Lent and so um, there's this thing about about that about trying let's let's try to live a more simple life and kind of Lent is kind of our, our kind of um, time to kind of focus on that and I remember watching this video and there's a guy on there and his wife and they were trying to live a more simple lifestyle so they were gonna you know they were in a big house that they didn't need anymore they're kind of you know kind of the children are off to school or you know on their own and and so they have this big house so they're gonna buy a smaller house and they were talking to the real estate agent and the real estate agents trying to sell them you know like a, a million dollar house you know because right. he says you know I, I live in this big house and and um, you know I don't need it we don't we don't need all that space, but we have it because we can, right? Because we can. And so this guy who was trying to, and his wife trying to, who were trying to live a more simple lifestyle were saying, well, we're gonna buy a smaller house, even though we could buy a bigger house, we're gonna buy a smaller house because we can. We that's can. cool. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, that, that's, I, that stuck with me over the years. I do use air conditioning. I do, but there, when I was, um, in some rural parishes in Northern Dubuque County, um, that was the rectory had four air conditioners, two on the bottom floor and, and two on the top floor, and and I didn't like the noise, and I didn't like I lost part of the view, and um, and everything. So I kind of went one year. I just went to two, one on each floor, and then I just went went for it all and just for a number of years I had no air conditioner at all and so you know but it was a brick house and it was um you know I, I'd be I'd go off to the tribunal and in, in Dubuque to work during the day so I when I, I you know I'd, I'd have the w windows open during at night it'd cool off I'd shut it down and I came home and and, and shut, closed the blinds and everything the curtains and it was um it was it was it was it was it, it re retained the the cool um, t uh, air uh, pretty well, and uh, then I open it up again at night. So I lived for a number of years without air conditioning. You know, Good for pretty, you. I mean, Pope Francis talks about no air conditioning. Does he not have it? He said he's against air conditioning. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, I have heard him say that before. Anyway, I've talked long enough. Okay. How about ecological spirituality? That's another goal. 
Are we talking about prayer services, communing with nature, bike rides, Bishop? What does ecological spirituality look like? I think you should talk about that, Barb. (laughs) You pray while you walk, right? And isn't that tough? You talk. I pray while I bicycle. Yeah. Uh, I I can pray while I walk really really well, but I that's hard for me as biking. But you do talk talk about it. What should I talk about? Uh, I just say no. Just what that looks like. Well, and actually, my rides get really long because I have a laundry list of everything I need to talk about. So (laughs) that's about it. Do you pray while you run? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, and I, but I mean, ecological spirituality. I mean, I think that uh, if all you have to do is go back to Saint Francis of Assisi and and look at the the Canticle of the Creatures and the ways that he said praise to you through. Uh, and and it's it's um, it's brother sun and sister moon, brothers wind and air, sister water, brother fire, and, and so I, I, I guess my response to ecological spirituality is merely being aware of of the created world around us. Um, I have two ways of getting home. I can either go Highway 61 or Highway 22, and Lately, I've chosen to go Highway 22. It's at least 10 miles an hour slower. There's 90% less traffic. It's along the river. I, I travel without the, the radio on, and I'm just reflecting on the day and the beauty around and the changing of the seasons. And so that's one example where I've actually slowed down and I've tried to just be present and aware of what's going on around me. And it's beautiful. I mean, it, it's not the racetrack that is that Highway 61. That is a great idea. You know, there's a sister up in Clinton, I probably won't name her, but she goes the speed limit on I-80 completely. I mean, she will not go a mile over because she said that's, that's conserving energy in the car. Right. And, you know, that is amazing, too. But, Kent, your idea is great. Yeah, and one thing I example I would give recently is we had a family reunion out in Colorado, and you know, and, and hiking in the mountains. And I mean, we go up to God; God comes down to us. We meet there on mountaintops, and, and, and almost anybody that's been on a mountaintop knows what that feels like to be, you know, whether you're an atheist or whatever. There's something special about that. There's something that's just holy about that in, in terms of um, so is that a mountaintop God. experience, right? Wow. So I'm wondering, last one, last goal, emphasis on community engagement and participatory action. How would you define community in this initiative? And what are some of the doable, practical ways to engage the community or communities and encourage members' call to action? One thing that I'm struck with, with the, the, the use of the word community, is the fact that Pope Francis wrote the encyclical not merely to Catholics, he wrote it to um, he wrote it to the entire world, and as we care for creation, it will be something that is a common language uh, to other Christians and people of other faiths and and all people of goodwill. And I, I think that it is a it is a reality and a responsibility that resonates with a whole lot of people. And so when we talk about community engagement. Um, 
Now, in, in subsequent seasons of creation, we have the opportunity to uh, share with others in our local communities what the, what the season of creation is about and come together and both praise God and also look at the ways that our communities are, are respecting uh, the, the earth and, and the surroundings that we live in. So I think that community to me means uh, either ecumenical or interfaith and, and, and helping people understand our commitment to it. Our, our commitment to care for creation has everything to do with us acknowledging who the creator is. Right. And, and also that the, the created world is not just uh, humans, but uh, those, the, the created beings that are, that are around us, both uh, domestic and, and wild. Bishop? Well, one thing we've, we've done already, um, with Ken's help, we've convened some business leaders. Um, so uh, in terms of what that might look, look like in, in their world, how Laudato Sea can be um, brought into their world and, um, and, and things that they can do to protect the environment and our common home. So that's, we've had, um, before COVID, we had uh, a breakfast over at, um, at St. Ambrose. And then just last week, we had a, a lunch at um, St. Patrick's in, in Iowa City. And so bringing people together, sharing their experience, what are they doing? Um, why, does this, uh, why does this make good business sense? I mean, it does, and, and just kind of laying that out. And so those have been very fruitful and um, just getting people talking and, you know, um, community folks, decision makers, and, um, you know, so that's been, that's been something we've done already. Where do you see that moving from there, from the dialogue? Or do you see more dialogue first and then collaboration on some projects or what? I think that that business will find compelling interest uh, for looking at ways that they can uh, serve uh, consumers who are mindful of of care for creation. Um, I think that again, as as uh, as, as consumers, we can um, draw our um, paying dollars, our our. our our purchases in ways that are consistent with with what we believe and I, I think that the the market will take notice um, so there are those are the ways that uh, businesses may respond and, and here again we need to remember not to merely approach this as individuals or small families but to be able to talk about this as parishes as well because if you look at any particular parish in a community that is a pretty huge sphere of influence that we really have, and we can uh, change how um, our our cities and our towns um, operate, um, the ways that we give emphasis to certain things, and and to do so in such a way as to make sure that we care for our common home. So some of this could also be about advocacy at the state level, right? State legislatures. Absolutely. That we get people involved that way too. I think that's part of that. That goal. Okay. And then are you inviting ideas from people of the diocese regarding the season of creation and the Laudato Sea action platform? Absolutely. We're, we're reminded of the incredible creativity expressed, uh, both with the small group of business leaders and others that have already done the work. Um, if, if we don't, if we don't um, engage Catholics in this uh, responsibility for an action plan it, it won't 
uh, it won't have roots. It won't uh, flourish. We won't be able to have the outcomes that we're capable of. And the other part of it, too, is the, the Holy Spirit will be part of this effort, and it will amaze us in ways uh, that we cannot have completely comprehended at the beginning of a seven-year effort. So to wrap this up, this month we celebrate the season of creation, which is a prelude, as you said, to the uh, Feast of St. Francis on October 4th. So um, what are we doing here in our diocese to celebrate? This year, the resources are available to parishes that can in turn share them with families. On, on September 16th, there'll be a virtual prayer gathering at noon on that day. Uh, to acknowledge the season of creation. Um, it is a rather simple and modest uh, first effort at celebrating the season of creation. So the beauty of it is 2022 will be, uh, will be so much larger and more robust of a celebration than 2021 is. But again, I think part of that is um, we anticipate getting resources from the Vatican on October 4th of this year. And so while we celebrate the season of creation kind of for a first time in the diocese, it's also with great anticipation because the seeds arrive on October 4th. And that will enable us to then begin the, the hardy work of, of planting over the next year. Gosh, Kent, that's very poetic. You are a writer, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, and keep posted. We'll keep, we'll keep tabs on this through the Catholic Messenger as well. So thank you, Bishop. Thank you, Kent, for participating in this very um, uplifting conversation. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you for bringing us together. Okay, thanks a lot. See you next time. <laughs>